What's up, everyone? Welcome back. Episode 84 of WFS, The Will Ford Show. Super glad to be back sitting in this chair. Happy to be talking to you guys. Also really sad at the same time because it's been 24 days since I've hopped on the mic. And that sucks because I've just been so swamped recently. I've told you guys about it before. It's just especially over the last two weeks. We had homecoming at Muskingum and Orbit Media was heavily involved, had tons of things going on. And I was involved every step of the way. And right now, still busy. We're getting closer to the end of fall sports. And in a few weeks, we'll be transitioning into some winter sports, some men's and women's basketball, some wrestling. Um, But, I mean, it's just been a blast, but it's also kind of sucked at the same time. And I I really miss sitting in front of this microphone talking to you guys. So I'm not going to waste any more time. Let's hop into episode 84. Uh, Baker Mayfield and the Cleveland Browns have absolutely hit the tank. This was a team that I really thought had a tremendous shot to maybe not win their division because I originally thought that the Steelers would win their division before they had injuries. And, you know, Big Ben went down and, and things like that. And, and I knew the Baltimore Ravens were going to be pretty good as well. And then you had the Cleveland Browns, who I thought were going to go 9-7, and 10-6, and six, and make a wild card. And so now if you look at how the season has transpired, lost week one to the Titans by 30 points. They beat the Brown or beat the Jets in week two. So one and one. Then you lose to the Rams, one and two. Beat the Ravens, two and two. And then now you've lost three straight games to the 49ers, to the Seahawks, and to the New England Patriots today. And now you sit at two and five on the season. And Baker Mayfield probably had the 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 new butt fumble. If you remember Mark Sanchez's Mark Sanchez's butt fumble from years ago when he was a starting quarterback for the New York Jets, uh, it was a blown play where he was supposed to hand it off to somebody. No one was there, so he took off and ran it himself, and he ran into the butt of his offensive lineman, fumbled the football, and the Patriots picked it up, ran it for a touchdown. Very similar today as the Browns were playing against the New England Patriots. And I'm not sure what this play was. I would love if this was T if this was TV as well, I would love to be able to show this replay on the screen and try to describe it. Originally I thought that Baker Mayfield was trying to like it was supposed to be kind of like a toss to his running back, but coming across his body. So he was almost like a sweep handoff to the left out of the shotgun. But instead, just kind of tossing it to him. You see that on the on the jet sweep sometimes. And he tossed it right into the defensive lineman's hands. And Nick Chubb didn't even go for the football. It looked like Jarvis Landry was lined up on the, the left side of the formation. And he was going to come in. And I don't know if that ball was intended for him or not. But either way, Jarvis Landry wasn't ready for it. There was no way he was going to be able to get it. And I don't think Baker Mayfield was even paying attention to where he threw the ball to because it just he just tossed it straight into a defensive lineman's hands who was bull rushing trying to get to him. That is the that is the new butt fumble. And it's really funny because right now Baker Mayfield, he looks like Mark Sanchez with swag. 
He does. <laughs> he looks like Mark Sanchez with swag. That's how he's playing. He only has seven touchdowns passing on the year and 12 interceptions. And if you look at Daniel Jones, who Baker Mayfield made some comments about during the summer, Daniel Jones is 10 touchdowns to seven interceptions. And I believe their passing yardage uh, is pretty much identical. I think around 1,400 yards. Um, But Baker Mayfield is playing terrible this year. And I can definitely speak to that because I drafted him in fantasy football this year. Fantasy football has not been fun for me at all. I am 0-8. I haven't officially lost yet, but I'm going to lose. I'm going to be 0-8 in my fantasy league with all my friends. And I had the first pick in the draft. I took Alvin Kamara. Kamara's been out for the past two weeks. I had Baker Mayfield. I ended up trading him and Leonard Fournette away for Kyler Murray and Le'Veon Bell. Kyler Murray's been okay. Le'Veon Bell hasn't done anything. I am floundering. And it's not even that my team is bad. I don't think my team is bad at all. It's there's weeks where my guys will put up a lot of points and I'll I'll get beat. I think I, it was week three, I put up 140 points and I still got beat. I got beat by 0.6. I can't even be mad at that. But then there's other weeks where none of my players will go off at all. This this year has been an atrocity for me. I'm going to be 0-8 and I'm shooting for that 0-13, baby. So don't come to me for fantasy football advice because I will definitely make sure that you go winless for the rest of the year. So don't talk to me about fantasy football advice. Don't tweet at me. Don't talk to me about it because I'm not the right person to ask. (laughs) But Baker Mayfield has been absolutely terrible this season. And it's not looking any better for the Browns. If we look at the the uh, the rest of their schedule, they just lost to the Patriots today. They travel to Denver, travel to the Mile High City for a matchup with the Broncos next. The Broncos haven't been great, but Denver is a tough place to play. I wouldn't be surprised if the Browns put up a stinker in that one. Then they play the Bills at home. Bills have the best defense in football. Josh Allen is improving week by week. They fell to the Eagles today, but the Eagles are kind of a rebounding team. They're still good. But they have the Bills, then the Steelers. You're probably going to beat the Steelers. You got the Dolphins. You'll probably beat the Dolphins. Then you got the Steelers again. That might be three wins in a row for the Browns. Then the Bengals. It does soften up for this team come the end of the year. It does soften up a little bit, but I mean, the Broncos and the Browns or excuse me, in the Bills, those could be two losses right there. And you could you could be sitting at two and seven heading into the the final six games of the year. If my math is correct on that, two and seven is nine. And you have seven games left to get to sixteen. I can't do math at all. But anyways, you can find yourself at two and seven once you play the Bills and the Broncos. Then you have Steelers, Dolphins, Steelers, Bengals, Cardinals, Ravens, Bengals. That's a softer schedule, but I still think the Cardinals could beat the Browns and the Ravens could beat the Browns. This team could very well find itself probably 7-9 and nine to finish the year, and that's very close to where they were last year. They were 7-8-1 last year, and this would be a step backwards from that. 
This Browns team isn't as good as what I thought it was going to be. I know the first half of their schedule was tough, but they just haven't even been putting up fights against the majority of teams. And I'm I'm really not sure what they should do because they, they keep trying to, to pass the ball so much with Baker Mayfield, who is Mark Sanchez 2.0, just slightly better. And they're kind of going away from Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb... It's, he's hot and cold. There's, day, there's days where they'll feed him and he'll do outstanding and they'll win. And then there's days where they he'll barely touch the ball. Baker Mayfield will throw it a ton and they lose. Freddie Kitchens is not consistent with his game planning. And Odell Beckham Jr. hasn't been the, the player that we expect him to be either. Aside from maybe one or two games this year where he's been dominant. I I wouldn't maybe consider I would consider trading Odell Beckham Jr. and this was brought up weeks ago because we know Trent Williams the starting left tackle in Washington well he's not starting right now because he's holding out he's not playing I would consider maybe trading Odell Beckham to Washington send him back to the NFC East and maybe you get a starting left tackle because not all of it's on Baker Mayfield Baker Mayfield hasn't been good but he's also not getting any protection up front you need somebody at left tackle who can you know who who can block for Baker Mayfield and protect his blind side and I think Trent Williams is the man to do that I would maybe consider trading Odell Beckham Jr for Trent Williams whatever whatever else you have to do to make that work you need some offensive line help you don't need all the receivers and Odell Beckham Jr makes too much noise anyways why not just roll with Jarvis Landry You'll get David and Joku back next year, and you'll still be fine. You'll still have a number one receiver. You'll have a tight end that's good. Well, I, I wouldn't. I, I would just try and beef up that protection. That's what I would do. But right now, the it's not looking good for the Browns, and I think they'll probably finish the year seven and nine. Maybe they'll go eight and eight and go one better from well, a half game better from last year. I don't know. It's tough, but Baker Mayfield has not looked good this season at all. The new Mark Sanchez. Mark Sanchez with swag. And I feel so bad. I want to shift to this. I, want, I feel so bad for J.J. Watt. J.J. Watt has been through the ringer over his career when it comes to injuries. His injury history has... Uh, not a lot of people are envious of his injury history. That's for sure. Uh, back in 2012, we're going to go all the way back, he dislocated his elbow, and we all know that he wears that big elbow brace now. That's what he's been wearing ever since he dislocated his elbow. Uh, that was in 2012. In 2015, he tore muscles in his inner thighs and in his groin. That held him out for a while. And, you know, the the groin, that's... That's probably one of the strongest muscles in your lower body. I had a groin injury when I was, and like I say, like I, when I was an athlete, like I was good. I ran track in high school, and I had a groin injury. It was a level two groin tear, where a level three is very close to requiring surgery, and I was borderline level three, but they called it a two. And I only needed to sit out two weeks. I was on a very strong steroid that helped me heal. 
and not like an illegal steroid. I wasn't like juicing or anything like that. But I mean, the groin, it's very tough. Uh, it was when I tore my groin, it was very difficult to walk. Of course, I was a stubborn, a stubborn turd. So I always want, I wanted to keep running. And eventually my coach had to pull me off of the track, sit me down and say, listen, you're done for the night. You're, you're not running, running anything else. You're not coming to practice tomorrow because you're going to go straight to the doctor. You're going to find out what's wrong and we're going to, we're going to get you healthy and didn't want to do that. It upset me because I wanted to help my team and I wanted to run, but it's ultimately what I, ultimately what I had to do to get healthy. But anyways, back to JJ Watt to self-absorbed there talking about me towards towards thighs and groin essentially and that's rough that was 2015 in 2016 he had two back surgeries one in july and one in september for herniated discs and that kept him out for a whole season and herniated discs those are those are really really rough you can't do anything with those at all it's constant spasms i mean that's just unbelievable and then we know the the big injury from two years ago, the lateral tibial plateau fracture in 2017. I believe it was against the Bengals when it occurred. I, mean, I think I was watching the game, but I mean, that was rough. And I think a lot of people doubted whether or not he was going to come back from that. And he did, and he's still a great football player. And then now, today, Against the Oakland Raiders, J.J. Watt tore his pectoral. And this guy is now 30 years old. He's got this extensive injury history. And I know this guy is tough as nails. And, you know, he's going to fight to come back. But eventually, there's only so much a body can take. That's why Andrew Luck hung the cleats up. Because he couldn't do it anymore. How much more can J.J. Watt take? Because a torn pectoral, I don't know what the injury, like, I don't know what the recovery process is like for that, like how long that takes. Clearly, he's going to be done for this season. But what's the outlook for next season? Is is he going to be out for any time next year? How long does this take? What's the severity of the injury? That's all stuff we don't necessarily know yet. Because I'm sure he's going to be undergoing tests and things like that tomorrow. But he's going to be out for the rest of this year. And this Texans team is, it's looking they were looking really good. Looking like the best team probably in their division. Right there with the Colts. And they were, they're going to be a playoff team. And J.J. Watt, their, their best defensive player, now gone. And he's at that age of 30, and once a lot of players hit that age of 30, they, they start to slow down, and that's another major injury, and I don't know how much more J.J. Watt can take. I know he's a tough guy. I know he wants to keep playing, but he also, I'm sure he's he said he was gutted by this because it's another injury. It's another thing he's got to go through. It's also a reason why Rob Gronkowski retired is he couldn't deal with all the the wear and tear that football put on his body. I don't know how much more J.J. Watt can take. He's been through the ringer. He's missed so much time. 
over his career, especially, you know, 2015, 16, 17, he missed so much time. I mean, I really feel for this man because it's, it's been a roller coaster for him. And now he's got to fight back once again. But now the Ford food chain returning after 24 days. I know football isn't over yet for week eight. We have a we have a Monday night game tomorrow, the Steelers and the Dolphins. Spoiler alert, neither of those two teams are in my Ford food chain. You can guess why. Matter of fact, you don't even need to guess. You should know why. Let's start off with number 10. We just got done talking about him, the Houston Texans. Deshaun Watson is getting protection this year. And he's looking a lot better. And he's still a wizard with his feet. He moves around so well. And he's so poised. And just the help from Laramie Tunzel getting him from the Miami Dolphins. And his offensive weapons are pretty good as well. You have DeAndre Hopkins, who's a top three wide out in this league. But then you have Will Fuller, who is a speedy threat that can just get by everybody on the defense. He is going to be out for the next couple of weeks. He's usually always out a couple of weeks during the season. He gets hurt all the time. I picked him up in fantasy football the week after he went off. And then one game, he played on my bench the next game. And then he didn't really do much. And then he gets hurt and he's out for like three weeks now. So yay. So obviously I dropped him. But I mean, he is a threat whenever he's out there on the field. And then you have Kenny Stills, who they also brought over from, from Miami, who's an excellent deep threat. And he's responsible for most of the long balls caught this year from Deshaun Watson. They, this team beat the Chiefs. This Texan team is is good. They're sitting right there near the top of the division with the Indianapolis Colts. I've got him at 10. Number nine, I have the Minnesota Vikings. I think their defense is real. I think their defense is good. Their offense, I still have some questions. Kirk Cousins, I've never believed in. He is a stat sheet stuffer supreme, but he doesn't win you games in the big moments. Dalvin Cook has been sensational. He's playing like the best running back in football right now. But Adam Thielen on the outside, their probably number one wideout is hurt. He was inactive this week. And it was a hamstring injury. So that's something that's going to have to be monitored. Their defense is really, it's really carrying them along with Dalvin Cook. They played the Redskins this past week. That was uh, on Thursday. That's a, that was a snooze game anyways. They should have won that game regardless of who was playing. But I, I don't believe in Kirk Cousins because he doesn't win big time. But their defense is, is really nice. And I love Dalvin Cook who is by far the best running back in the league so far this year statistically. They're at nine, although I have questions. Number eight is the Los Angeles Rams. This team can only win a certain way, and that's when Cooper Cup is healthy and he is responsible for the bulk of the offensive production. Todd Gurley is not the same running back anymore. He he just doesn't get used. And... The other receivers, Brandon Cooks and Robert Woods, they're not number one wideouts. Cooper Cup is Jared Goff's number one weapon. He had 220 yards receiving today against the Bengals on 
seven receptions. The guy is just an absolute monster. And if he's not playing well, if they're not getting him the ball, then they're in trouble. Now their defense got a lot better. They traded away Marcus Peters to the Baltimore Ravens, who needed some corner help. And Marcus Peters made a big impact, a big impact last week against the Seahawks in beating them. But by trading Marcus Peters, that allowed the Rams some room to go out and get. Wait for it. Jalen Ramsey from the Jacksonville Jaguars. How much more star-studded can this team get? Jalen Ramsey might be the best cover corner in, in football. And you're pairing him up now with Aqib Tlaib. And that defense is much better now because you have the best corner in the league. And then it's still, a, even though an aged corner is still pretty good. And then an offense where Cooper Cup is putting up 220 yards receiving on seven catches. And he had a 65-yard receiving touchdown today on a little trick play. But he averaged 31 yards of reception. It's unbelievable. It's so rare. You never see that. And so the Rams, the only way they're going to be able to beat teams, it doesn't matter who they play. I know they played the Bengals today who are winless. But the only way they're going to win is when Cooper Cup is getting the ball early and often. They're at eight. Number seven is the Indianapolis Colts. They've only lost twice this year. And between the three Patriot quarterbacks, Tom Brady, Jimmy Garoppolo, and Jacoby Brissett, only two losses on the year between all three of them. Those two losses do belong to the Colts and Jacoby Brissett, but it just shows how well he was developed under Bill Belichick. And this Colts team, great protection up front. And their defense, I mean, it's it's good as well. They beat the Chiefs a couple of weeks back. This Colts team is is real, and Jacoby Brissett is playing a lot better than... I thought he would. I didn't think he'd be able to hold it down without Andrew Luck, with no Andrew Luck being there. And he's done a a remarkable job. And with the way that their team is built, they can go out there and beat anybody. And I've got them at seven. Number six, I've got the Baltimore Ravens. Like I said, they added Marcus Peters from the Rams. That really bolstered their secondary. And it's a huge improvement for, for them. And then Lamar Jackson, he's... Kind of reverted back to his old ways a little bit. He's not throwing the football as much. And he's running a lot more. And he's rushing for over 100 yards a game. And he, I mean, he's he's an excellent runner. But he's kind of reverting back to his old tendencies of escaping the pocket too early. Not throwing the ball downfield like he was in the first few weeks of the season. But I still love this Ravens team. They're a super tough gritty football team and they can win in a shootout we've seen it the Ravens put up a bunch of points they can win in a shootout but Lamar Jackson needs to be a little more consistent with just throwing the football and run in the key moments where you need to evade pressure and kind of just improvise late in games And this is very similar to the number five team, the Seattle Seahawks. This is very much what Russell Wilson does on a weekly basis. He evades pressure in the key moments, picks up a couple key first downs. And it's not even all by design. It's just him improvising 
being a wizard and just dominating with his arm. And that's what he's really become throughout the last few years of his career. And right now playing at at an MVP level, the Seahawks team defense is getting better. They beat the Falcons today. Falcons aren't good, but I mean, they have some offensive weapons that are threatening. They didn't have Matt Ryan didn't play today, which hurt the Falcons. They might as well just sit Matt Ryan for as long as he needs to sit out for because their season's going down the tank. But this Seahawks team, really good, and Russell Wilson playing at an MVP level, probably the best he's ever played in his career, sitting at five on the Ford food chain. Number four, Green Bay Packers. They're playing right now against the Kansas City Chiefs, and it was actually a close game when I last checked. I believe it was 17-14 Chiefs in the third quarter, around eight minutes left before I hopped in here and sat down. I will pull that up on my phone. But Aaron Rodgers, like I've mentioned before, best defense he's had in a while, although it's young. They've added some savvy veterans on the cheap. Matt LaFleur is really working well with Aaron Rodgers. They, I don't think they necessarily worked at first, but they're working really well now, and their offense is firing on all cylinders without Devontae Adams. And they have a running game now with Aaron Jones. This team is just its really good, and Aaron Rodgers is playing some of his best football right now. This is a great team, and I'm going to pull up this score right now. Green Bay is winning 24 to 23 with 901 in the fourth quarter. And that's over Kansas City. And that is in Arrowhead Stadium. Matt Moore playing really well, keeping the Chiefs in there against the Packers. We'll dive into that in uh, in a few minutes, the Patrick Mahomes injury. But Packers are at 4, New Orleans Saints are at 3. They got Drew Brees back today and Teddy Bridgewater was phenomenal in the absence of Breeze. Went undefeated. Did everything he needed to do. Pulled out some gutsy wins against some tough teams like the Cowboys. They played in a close game against the Jaguars who have a great defense. Just some really gritty, tough wins for Teddy Bridgewater. And he does everything the right way. Makes key throws late in the game. Can make plays with his feet. I think of him as like the Mike Conley of the NFL. Mike Conley will hit some shots for you, but he also distributes really well. And that's just, that's my comparison if I was going to compare him to another athlete in another sport. But the Saints now get get their leader back. They're a little more dynamic now. Drew Brees can throw it down the field better. The Saints team is so scary, unbelievably scary, and their defense, man, it's good. A little change in my top two, though, a little flip-flop. Number two, I have the New England Patriots. I still think they're the best, obviously the best team in, in the AFC. But Tom Brady hasn't looked fantastic of late. Obviously, he's 42, year old, 42 years old. The age is starting to show a little bit. But they're undefeated. And this defense, it's good. The secondary is the best in football. They have like 17 backs that can all play. And they don't have the best wide receiving core. It's kind of a uh, just pull some people out of the stands and just let Tom Brady throw it to them. 
But, I mean, it works. And Bill Belichick, I don't know how he does it every year, but this team is undefeated. And they're clearly the cream of the crop in the AFC. Now, this team can't win a shootout. Tom Brady is not going to win a shootout anymore. He doesn't he just doesn't have the offensive power, the offensive firepower, the weapons to do that and he's just not as good down the field as he used to be. He can't do that anymore. So to beat the Patriots, you're going to have to score a lot of points. If you get them in a shootout, you will win. But if their defense is able to keep it close, keep you from scoring as much, then you're going to lose. The only way you can beat the Patriots is if you get them in a shootout because I don't think Tom Brady would be able to keep up. But number one, I've got the San Francisco 49ers. 49ers undefeated as well at 7-0. Nick Bosa, I believe, had three sacks today and an interception, and he was phenomenal a week ago, two weeks. I mean, he's been phenomenal all year. And Tevin Coleman, they have kind of like a trio of backs that can all play. They have Matt Breida, Tevin Coleman. Uh, I believe they they had Jarek McKinnon to start the year, but he is out for this season as well after they signed him a couple years back. But Tevin Coleman has really taken over that backfield. He had four touchdowns today, and they won 51-13 to over the Carolina Panthers. And Jimmy Garoppolo... A little shaky to start the year, but now is playing out of his mind. And the 49ers are off to their best start in a very long time. This is a scary team, and they're the best team in the NFC. And, I mean, there's a couple teams that I left out of this list that could easily be in the in the latter half of it, like the Philadelphia Eagles, the Dallas Cowboys. But, man, I feel really good about this list. And. I'm glad I'm able to share it with you for once Um, because I think about it a lot. Just never have the time to actually sit down and talk with you about it. But the World Series currently going on, the Washington Nationals, Washington in their first World Series since 1933, and the Houston Astros Back in the World Series for the second time in three years. They won it two years ago. After Hurricane Harvey devastated the city of Houston. And really a a large portion of Texas. What a great story. Them winning it. And then kind of this story. The Cinderella story with the Nationals. They were 19th and 31 in May. Turned it around. Made the wild card. They got in. And then... I mean, they've just been steamrolling teams, and they swept the Cardinals in the NLCS to get to the World Series. I I love this story, and they went in to Houston the first two games and took both games from the Astros. But now, I mean, this series has gotten really interesting. It would seem like Washington was just going to steamroll throughout this series. And then going back to Washington, the Astros won two games in a row of their own, even the series at two, and they're playing right now. It's top nine, and Houston's up five to one. So Houston's going to win all three games in Washington. And then the series is going to go back to Houston, where the Nationals 
will have their backs against the wall and they'll have to pull something out to try and force a game seven in Houston. Obviously, it looked it's five to one in the top of the ninth. I, Houston should be able to pull this one out. If they do, I think Washington wins in game six back in Houston. And then Houston will win in game seven at home. I think that's what it's going to be. But coming into this series, I was fascinated by the, the pitching battle. You had on one side for the Houston Astros, Garrett Cole, Zach Greinke, and Justin Verlander. And then on the national side, Patrick Corbin, Max Scherzer, and Steven Strasburg. All six pitchers, all-star starters. I mean, that's just unbelievable. And I was expecting a lot of low-scoring games just with how good the quality is of these starting pitchers. I mean, it's very rare you see a pitching battle like this in the World Series, let alone in just a regular season series. But you see this in the World Series. It's pretty incredible, and I was fascinated to watch it. Uh, But it's really been a lot of offense. We've seen some masterful pitching from Steven Strasburg. Garrett Cole got lit up in Game 1. Verlander got torched in game two but Cole has been looking good tonight here in game five the pitching has been just really interesting to me and I'm I'm loving it and now Houston's going to win game five head back to Washington up 3-2 with a chance to close it out but I like Houston in seven games should be fun man looking forward to it but Thanks for sticking with me, guys. I know I I really suck. <laughs> I'm terrible, but hey, I'm trying for you guys. I'm still here, and you know what? This job is tough sometimes. It sucks because I'm gone 12, 13 hours a day, pretty much every day. I was at Muskingum seven days this week, Monday through Sunday. And you know what? Sometimes that just that's just part of the job, but I'm having fun. Tune in to WMCO 90.7 tomorrow if you're you know, in the new Concord area. But you can also listen live on OrbitMediaOnline.com. Listen to my radio show from 6 to 8 tomorrow evening. And then also stay tuned at 8 because I will be interviewing some members of the Muskingum Fighting Muskies football team for the Muskie Sports Blast from 8 to 8.30 tomorrow evening. Stay tuned to WMCO 90.7 or live on OrbitMediaOnline.com to catch me on the radio because I'm more than likely going to be on every day of the week. That's usually how it goes, but definitely tune in tomorrow 6 to 8 on the Orbit, OrbitMediaOnline.com, and then stay tuned from 8 to 8.30 as well where I interview the Fighting Muskie football team. But thanks for joining me on this Sunday night. Good to sit down and talk with you. And I should be at like episode like 142, but hey, you know, such is life. Still here. It's episode 84, and we'll see you in episode 85. Thanks for tuning in to the Will Ford Show WFS. <laughs>